Welcome back to Geek Life, PandaManga.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, the Brian. Shamona. <laughs> and uh, visiting with us this week is the administrator. Yeah, I can't follow that, the Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and the 8th Henry. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening to you. Good evening. Good evening. So tonight's subject is zombies. And uh, again, the 8th Henry and the administrator make up two-thirds of zombie egg or zombie-egg.com's team. So of course we always like to have them on the podcast. We continually miss getting Mr. Joe with us, even though we can always seem to somehow get him on some of the other random podcasts. We just have the damnedest time getting him on the zombie podcast, but hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> All things in balance. All things in balance, yes. Uh, little side note, you may hear kitty cat noises and potentially doggy dog noises. We are uh, recording in a new place, and so we'll just see how it goes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if you hear random random animal noises, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not in your house, in your home, with some kind of creepy ghost cat in your closet, or I swear. Is or it? is it? Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Uh, on to the Z News. Well, today in zombie news, uh, there is still officially no zombie outbreak. Still. So hooray for that. That's good. Impending. Hooray. Impending, sooner or later. First up on zombie news, I recently was, while listening to the, uh, one of the many excellent IGN podcasts, I believe it was Games Scoop. Uh, the ever-incredible and ridiculous Greg Miller was talking about, uh, you know, running and preparing for a 5K. And as it turns out, he's preparing for what's called the Zombie 5K. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard about this or not. It's, uh, it's a Zombie 5K, and it, you, can look at, you can look it up at runforyourlives.com. So let me, let, me read the, <laughs> let me read the excerpt here so you guys can get, a, get an idea of what it is. Protect your brain and run for your life. This is one race where your legs giving out are the least of your problems. Run For Your Lives is a first-of-its-kind event. One part 5K, one part obstacle course, one part escaping the clutches of zombies, and all parts awesome. Runners will navigate a series of challenges, uh, challenging obstacles through a 5K course in an attempt to reach the finish line while avoiding zombies. At the end of this adventure race... You get to celebrate survival or zombie transformation with live entertainment and music, local celebrities, vendors, food, and, of course, beer. I don't know about you, but that sounds awesome. It does. Where does this take place? <laughs> so it actually takes place in a, in a bunch of places all over the spot. I mean, it sounds like, from what they were saying, that it's a, it's a brand new thing. <laughs> so, like I said, you can go to runforyourlives.com. That's plural lives. Uh, let's see. They've got it going on right now. Uh, they have dates for Massachusetts, Minnesota... Indiana, Colorado, Washington, Missouri, Pennsylvania, Toronto, Southern California, Maryland, Florida, and Texas. So the zombie states. The zombie yeah, I states, believe, apparently. I believe Greg was saying that he was going to be going to the one in San Diego. Yeah, San Diego. So that's probably going to be SoCal. Quote, that's what they have here. I'm guessing nice. that's the San Diego one. And that looks like it's going to be on, let's see, That's that will be on October 20th uh, this year. So, uh, you know, they've got videos, and it looks like just a bunch of fun. And I don't know, maybe it would be fun for us to all try and figure something out and participate, whether it's this year or another time. That yeah. sounds like sounds like it could be fun. That actually would be a lot of fun. However, there's one flaw in this. Zombies, shouldn't it be 
walk quickly for your life. Because really, it, it's kind of a waste to spend all your energy running. That's true. Unless the runners, suspicion, not shufflers. Th- there's got to be, yeah, they may be runners, which we can, which we will get into later in the show. No, <laughs> the uh, I think I think uh, what it is is because it's a, it's an obstacle course, so they can kind of funnel you to choke points and have them right there. And you have to kind of dodge your way around. Is kind of what it looks like. So anyway, that it looks awesome. it looks like it's it's that's pretty great. That's pretty great. One thing that Greg did say is that when you get bit, you're like knocked out of the race. Mm-hmm. So I don't that's know. That's cool. I yeah. guess if you if you're feeling lazy and you just want to hang out with a bunch of people that think zombies are great, you can just go down there and get bit right away. No. <laughs> I wonder if they cycle you in. Maybe. Like maybe after you get bit, it's like there's like you get like ten minutes and then they paint you up and then send you back out on the course later on. That would be awesome. That would be pretty awesome. Anyway, it definitely worth looking into. Though we'll have to keep a tight rein in on the eighth Henry, lest yeah. he uh, start thinking it's real. I, I might pull a uh, yeah. No, a no weapons allowed. You just, <laughs> the eighth Henry's going to show up with like his katana. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> I'm ready for yeah. it. Yeah, you are ready who, for who, it. Who says I need to run? <laughs> <laughs> you Howard Dean yell and just blast at the zombies. You just run like Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. So uh, number two on uh, on the Z news uh, is recently I f- came across a zombie podcast. Uh, I was I was looking into other podcast. Well, actually, to be completely honest, I was on iTunes and I was typing in zombies and zombie survival and seeing how far up our podcast is on the list and like glaring at everything above us. <laughs> how many? How many were above us? You know, actually, we're in the top fifty. That's that's, that's actually pretty great for only having been out for less than a year. Yeah. All things considered, we were like surrounded by stuff that that had stopped going for a while, and so <laughs> for us to be, I don't know, I, I'm I'm happy with where we are. You know, I think moving forward, we'll hopefully move up farther and farther. Uh, I think that there's a lot of a lot of podcasts out there that you have to compete with. It's just defunct, dead podcasts. And as you move up in podcasts and, and just are stick with it and you know grow and grow in users, eventually you'll you'll move up there. Anyway, it's, it's somehow appropriate that they're dead podcasts, and then right? We have, to, have to wait through defunct. Them. How about that? Yeah. Anyway, so no, dead works in this case. Dead works in this case. So any so, other case is defunct. As as I was saying, I was you know looking around and trying to see how close we are to the top, uh, and you know as always, you click on the top one, right? I mean, you know everybody can't be wrong, right? Hopefully. And this time they were not. I found this really amazing podcast, and it's actually not a podcast. It's a radio show. Nice. And it's we're talking, it's less like 60-something episodes of this thing, each one between 15 and 20 minutes long. And it's this, this ongoing story of uh, a couple of guys and, like, the survivor group that they get in together with. Uh, the, I think the main characters are a character named Michael, uh, Angel, and Saul. And they are three, uh, I think, army uh, army soldiers. Uh, you know, of varying ranks and whatnot, and uh, they're in the reserves, and basically when things go crazy, they're in Southern California is when this takes place, where this takes place, and so when, when, when kind of shit hits the fan, zombie style, uh, they all get called into the base, and when they're on the highway heading to the base, they start to see zombies attacking people in cars, and, you know, when they finally get there, they're kind of like, what is happening, and then, like, there's nobody at the base, and they end up trying to you know, find some weapons, and they actually have to, like, break into a weapons locker area, and an alarm goes off, all the zombies hoard on them, and, you know, I want to give away the whole first episode, but, you know, it's intense and interesting right from the very get-go. And, uh, let's see, they come in three episode chunks for, like, a chapter, so every chapter is three 15-20 minute episodes, and they kind of break into nice little pieces. 
But eventually they end up going on and kind of taking over this apartment complex because you can sort of like have a choke point and funnel at the at the stairs and, you know, they turn the elevators off and all that. So it's it's really cool. I've really been enjoying it. Honestly, kind of obsessively listening to it. I loaded like 30 of them onto my podcast, I mean, onto my, onto my iPod and have just been listening to them all the time. Uh, so it's it's totally entertaining. I way highly recommend it. So the website for this podcast, which is called We're Alive, is zombiepodcast.com. What? Fair that's, that's a hell of a website to be able to get, right? I mean, that's nuts. They must have been one of the first ones. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've been out for a long time. It's really cool. The only I would say the, my only criticism of it, which I guess really isn't a criticism because it's a necessary evil, is that they actually have, like, sponsors. And so at the beginning and end of every episode, there's, like, a radio, you know... Like, you know, come to such and such for such and such, and we sell this or that, you know. Um, Do they have old-timey jingles? Kind of, yeah. I mean, so it's actually that's kind okay. of entertaining. That's, that's cool. That's yeah, a, it's, it's good. It's, it's cool good. I mean, it's really, it's all around good. I see the only thing that kind of breaks the, 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 the you know, atmosphere that it brings to the table is the, is the advertisements. But it's, it's totally necessary and almost adds kind of like a, an even more legitimacy sort of feel to the radio show style. Well, if you're listening to it, like, back to back to back to back to back, it's like commercial breaks. Right. So I guess, long story short, it's totally worth checking out. So, uh, yeah, check it out at zombiepodcast.com. I've really been enjoying it, and, you know, I hope I can turn some people onto it. They're really great. Um, I would like to play a little piece of it. And uh, my, my guess is that, you know, in theory, I could get in trouble for playing this for you guys, but I can't imagine a free podcast being mad about having you know, free advertising and getting, you know, dipping into another community of people. So uh, let's all sit back and listen to an excerpt from Chapter 3, New Arrivals, Part 3 of 3. There. Stealth, get inside. a little a little excerpt of that it's uh pretty cool you i know, like and, shirley I, most you love shirley the gun yeah. <laughs> he's got this massive hand cannon i i have this, i have i think i mean they may say it in there but i, I think that it's like a 50 cal hand cannon or not a 50, not 50 cal what do you call it yeah no yeah we know somebody has yeah, yeah anyway. it's uh, technically it's, a, be a bear gun at that point yeah it's a big like pistol yeah like a hand cannon like it's, silver it's overkill beyond yeah, it's completely it's, it's overkill. a five shot not a six shot yeah, revolver it's pretty it's, ridiculous it's only fit five bullets in it it's, yeah that's yeah, really it's, it's, it's a guy basically it's the guy that big. owns it is is a guy who runs a gun shop and they find him like huddled up in there protecting himself from the zombies and it's in his like private stash he's he's like a gunny from the military oh man what a cool character it's just a really good one uh you know what i guess one final thought on we're alive is that they are take the zombies in a little bit of a different direction. Uh, they are kind of more intelligent, or at least some of them are. Basically, what they say it, it seems more like an infection style than like an undead style. 
I mean, there's I, definitely rotting flesh involved, and it's definitely kind of like some of the classic zombie archetype sort of stuff, but they've made kind of slight nods and references and, and suggestions towards if you were very intelligent in life, you'll be more intelligent than the other zombies in your, you know, on death, I guess. They, they did a little bit of that in a book I read called Eden. Eden? Yeah. Do you remember who the author was? Not off the top of my head, oh, okay. but it was, it was a good book. It yeah. should be the first of the those books in the zombie genre. Cool. It's just... Well, it's, it's cool. It's, it's neat because it adds a level of interest. I mean, I think later on they run into an area where zombies have set up like an ambush. That is, that is actually it's really very cool. It's really very cool. It's, I love still the Hans Zimmer-esque intense score that we've got going right, on. Right, I know, yeah. I, they actually, I mean, they, they, they really done it up with this. I was impressed. Anyway, I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about it, but totally worth checking out. So let's see. And number three on the Z News list is the Zombie Survival Training Camp. Oh, that is right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Have you guys heard of this? Now, I'm, I'm sure you all must have figured out by now that somebody's been doing this, right? So, zombiesurvivalcourse.com. I think that's what it is. Yes, zombiesurvivalcourse.com. <laughs> you can go... They have, like... I found them on YouTube. I was looking up, I don't know what, something uh, zombie I, on YouTube. No, it was Cheap Cool Crazy. Yeah! Where we found it on. Another IGN That's right, thing. another IGN thing. Uh, IGN's new YouTube page called Start is totally worth subscribing to. Check it out. It's awesome. Lots of fun stuff. And uh, they're new, uh, like one of the new, uh, I don't know what you call them. Like shows. Shows, yeah. but like but like video hosts is Naomi Kyle. This is a cute blonde girl. And she is kind of replaced, uh, what was her name? The Jessica Chobot. Jessica Chobot. And I actually really like Naomi Kyle. She's neat. But, uh, but one, of the, one of the shows that they've been doing is Cheap Cool Crazy, where they pick a cheap item, a cool item, and a crazy item. And, you know, respectively talked about them and, you know, show you interesting stuff. And there's all kinds of cool stuff on there. But one of the, I think it was the crazy item, was the zombie survival training camp. And I think it was like, I don't know, $1,500 for a group of 10 or something like that. And you That's spend an entire... reasonable. It's pretty reasonable. Yeah. And, and you, you uh, I mean, don't quote me on these numbers, people. But basically you go to this, this place and you meet with all these people. And one of them uh, was like a... You know, they've got like a medic on the team who actually has medical training. They've got somebody who is like a like a, a sh like a award-winning you know marksman. They've got survivalists. They've got ex-military. Like a kind of like the whole range of skill sets that you would need. And they basically take you through these courses, teach you how to sew wounds, teach you how to shoot, teach you how to load, teach you how to barricade yourself, teach you all this fun stuff. And so if you go to the YouTube page. Or you go to their YouTube thing. I mean, it, it's it's a little it's a little cheesy and silly, but it looks like it'd be really a lot of fun. <laughs> so anyway, totally worth looking at zombiesurvivalcourse.com. It looks like we should. I think we should do it. I think we like the the Panda Mega crew should go out and, and do the zombie survival course. Uh, you know, maybe I'll I'll be able to set up some sort of deal with them if I can send all my uh, officer percentiates down that way. There you go. Give me, give me a slight discount. There you go. <laughs> I, I would love to go there just to see, like, the 8th Henry be like, no, you're doing that wrong. No, no, you really should. You, you probably wouldn't do you that to them, like, to their face, but I, by I the end... I would write it all down and make them... Yeah, exactly, exactly. We, we'd be coming back and be like, that was wrong, that was wrong. That was, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts when we'd go through that. It, it may be worthwhile investigating it. Oh, totally. I, we should sit down and, like, watch the YouTube video later and, and just be like, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, anyway, totally, totally funny. And that's the Z News. Uh, we'll take a little break, and after the break, we're going to get into how to do what the 8th Henry likes to call compounding. <laughs> 
preparing and you know kind of barricading yourself and basically sort of early zombie survival as far as location and just methods so it should be really interesting you're listening to geek life don't go anywhere last time, or not last podcast, but on our last zombie podcast, we went around the room and talked about the best and worst places for your early zombie defense bunker. I think is what we call this, something like that. Your hideout, your hideout bunker, right? Uh, so kind of piggybacking and, and following that sort of theme, the 8th Henry has come up with a list of, of uh, you know, kind of early things to do and prepare yourself with, and, you know, in regards to, you know that hideout, or in regards to interacting with different people and kind of setting up systems to protect yourself. So he's got seven things. So this is the 8th Henry's seven things for zombie compounding. Okay, number one, the buddy system. Well, it's important that when you enter a new facility that you take nothing lightly, and nobody, nobody should be going, oh, don't worry about me. I'll take the upstairs all by my lonesome while you all chill down here. Don't worry about what you hear because you know I'm sure I'm a badass. I can I can handle it. No, even if you are a badass, even you if you are a badass, it. it doesn't matter. Do not split up. You know it's a, you hear horror, horror survival all the time. Do not split up for any reason. The buddy system is king. Are you implying that Fred was wrong? Uh, well, no. Fred always is a big advocate of the buddy system because you notice he always took Daphne with him. <laughs> And that, that, that's sort of dual purpose for one, and then the other was to uh, get rid of the uh, the downer lesbian and the uh, the stoner and his dog. I think the dog was a stoner too. I think it's the stoners. Yeah, well, he they, totally they were, was hotboxing that dog. No question. No question. <laughs> there was no question. Also, you do get the fact of like when you have the buddy system instead of going alone, you don't have to worry about the fact that some douchebag might have gotten bitten and is just hiding it from the rest of the group. Which, if you listen to the first zombie survival podcast, I kind of went off on a rant and on a serious rant. So I'll try. Also, you don't have to run faster than the zombies; you just have to run faster than your buddy. Exactly. So that's See, that's it, good. It's well, there's that. It's more ends on the type of zombies as we'll get in later. I, I I don't approve of the Shane method. <laughs> uh, if I can make a Walking Dead uh, show reference, uh, but it's the it's the idea is that you really shouldn't have to worry about outpacing a zombie if you have somebody watching your back. Right. If you know if you you know you see how how tactical squads of trained military or trained law enforcement professionals move from room to room. They don't do it alone. You know, cowboy John Wayne, shoot him up, bang, bang. They don't do... Right, it's coordinated. It's very coordinated. Right, it's very know, two tactical. Two pairs of eyes is better than one. And, it, and if there is a problem, they, they, they retreat, and then they address that problem as a unit. Definitely. So, number two, tasking. 
it's very important to task out the following jobs as soon as possible. So as soon as you've cleared through the entire area, secure all areas, uh, zoning, which means separating the the now affordable living spaces uh, into cooking, sleeping, bathroom areas, um, you know. So you're gonna you're gonna like come kind of compartmentalize. I guess that's probably the wrong term, but kind well, of like designate this is for this area, this area is for that area, even if it's not set up like that. Right. And well, then then that that task becomes those people now that they figured this out, they need to begin you know moving temporary barricades so people have a have an understanding of the functionality of an area. <clears throat> also, rationing of resources and of course compiling of resources. You know, as you go through. You say your your base, and you happen to find the stockpile of things. You know the candy machine. Right. Yeah. You, know, you don't just leave it at the candy machine. You know down in the middle of the hall where it's really inconvenient and distant. Right. You bring it all down. Right. To so you just kind of delegate it. to all the different people what to do. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, moving from there, security patrols, uh, shifts, etc. At no point, and this is key, should all people be asleep. There's there's no there's no justifying it. You know, even if you have not allowed, to, not allowed, it's not allowed. If you gotta if, have someone on watch, somebody needs to be watching, and those people are the people you need to actually, you know, be able to trust with your lives. Now, um, do you feel like people that uh, are on watch should have, you know, combat skills, or should they really more just be like alarms? For for the most part, uh, combat skills are a plus. A plus, but but, but would it you is say not like necessary? Okay, it is more necessary that they have a keen eye and are not afraid to to just. Announce that there is something happening. Right. It doesn't need to be you know wait until hell has landed at your doorstep to 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 bring it up or to cry wolf every time a fly you know flies by. It's more important that they have a keen eye and that they have an understanding of what is and what is not a threat um, at any point. Something. Right, so they see something that could, in theory, become a threat. They don't stir it up and turn it into a threat. Right. If it's just going to pass them their, by. Their job is not to engage it. Their job right. is to to silently or very loudly announce it to the rest of the group. Right. What on whatever. Determined, determined on the, on what the nature of the threat is. If it's a threat of marauders, you know, of of, of living survivors running by, um, trying yeah, to just act, be quiet. Be quiet, but but send it through. If it's Zombies are literally, they know, they, they spotted signs of life and they're shaking on the gates or they're heading to shake on the gates. Well, maybe it'll be a little bit more loud, a little bit more panicked about that. That's fine. Don't lose your cool. Just announce one way or the other that the threat has arrived. Right. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Any more on uh, tasking? We can move forward. Oh, yes. Uh, and then set the last group of people onto long-term water supply acquisition. Once you have your, your security established uh, and your your parameters set up right it's important to begin looking for long-term uh, water supplies for those people and this includes water for bathing water for of course consumption um, and as soon as you have that you're, you're pretty well set in your base right so water seems to be one of the first things you want to secure okay number three scavenging parties the mad dash for all resources uh, local especially those uh, goods that are expired, or not expired, but ex- going to expire soon, like milk, livestock, fresh so perishables. produce, perishables. Yeah. These first, I mean, of course, the canned goods will always be there. I mean, not always, but they will be there longer. It is more important to grab, you know, if you sweep through the neighborhood, 
really quickly, grab the fruit bowl while there's still good fruit. See, it's funny because I would think that in general, the most you know important items to have would be items that that have sustainability and are, are, are you know are preserved. You know, like you go around and get a bunch of the. I mean, like if you if you like have a high on your priority list early on, perishables. I can understand that, but I would say like it seems to me that. I would be like, hey, let's make sure that we get stuff that we can stockpile and have and have long term. Because if you get something and you don't get to it right away or you don't use it right away and it goes bad on you, then you know the time you spent out there in the zombie apocalypse trying to collect this stuff and scavenging and risking your life was for naught. Well, the idea is that you use all of the short-term supplies immediately. Right. Um, I mean, of course, if you stumble upon a medicine cabinet just... Just rife with all of the the medical, you know, paranoid mothers, you know, first aid kit. <laughs> right. Yeah, you grab it. Right. But more importantly, you you stock up on those things that will soon become novelties, you know, in fresh supply. Because uh, it's not every day you're gonna come across a a, a fruit filled tree, just just ready for you to have just to take all of it within just a very short time. Even fresh off the tree, it will begin to rot. So, so you basically eat your food and scavenge in like with the mindset of the you know bachelor's eating plan, where you like you know I don't know if you guys do this or not, but I'm a bachelor and so I go and buy things and then basically I eat things in the order of what goes bad first. Yeah. <laughs> so like you know milk, veggies, fruits, all that stuff happens and then like you know that it's time for me to go and get some more food from the from the supermarket if I'm eating soup for a couple days in a row. <laughs> see, yeah, and, see. and don't forget, JP, that when you grab fruits and stuff like that, you got seeds. If you got room to plant... Very true, very yeah. true. That's a good point. You, you build on the system you have. Also, good to keep in mind, a lot of the uh, long-term survival foods are foods that you're going to have in relative abundance later on. Uh, like I said, they aren't going anywhere. They're high in sodium. They're high in sugars. You know, these are things... Well, the reason why I said that you want to grab them first is because I'm thinking that that's what you'd be competing for. Ultimately, in the first, let's say, 48 hours, it's not worth squabbling over a can of uh, pickled beets if you can grab an apple. What if I love beets? If you love beets, then uh, I suppose squabble over it. (laughs) Um, But it it really is up to your personal preference. But you don't forget, you can also eat the fresh foods that you find immediately. Right. There's really no True. no harm. And the in Brian that. brings up a good point: the seeds. Yeah, seed, seeds are an excellent. Uh, Instead resource. of like having to scavenge for seed bags and go out of your way to like oh, you know, it, your local, it'd be you more know. economical to go to Home Depot and pick up seeds or have seeds on rotation or have a have a or yearly. just straight up get the plants. Yeah, or just get the plants. Right. right. But when that's not our option. But in any case, uh, fresh foods are first. Uh, milks. I mean, even if milk goes bad, you can still turn it into plastic. Um, it, there's, there's a, it's, it's a, turn milk into plastic. It, yeah, it's a chemical called casein. And so you're making me nervous about milk now. <laughs> well, it, it's you use, you have to boil it. You have to separate uh, it with like vinegar, and it becomes a malleable plastic that you can end up using for a bunch of different things. Anyway, that's not terribly important. But yeah, when you were like, well, even if it goes bad, the next words I was expecting in your mouth was, you can make cheese. But you're like, you can make plastic. No, no, well, you, 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 you don't make cheese out of sour milk. You make. You, you make, you make cottage cheese. You, you, you make, make cottage cheese. Yeah, you make cottage cheese. Though. You, you make milk out of fresh, or you make cheese out of fresh milk. Okay. And then let it go cultured. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's cultured that's cheese, the, high cultured. That's the planned ferment. And number four, coordinated assault. Now this record, uh, this, this 
refers, of course, to the undead. The coordinated assault on the undead has to do with uh, stockpiling your weapon reserves, uh, primarily primitive weapons. I mean, people really do... Weapons that don't have to reload. Like, that's the Max Brook, you know, like, mantra. Swords don't need... Swords don't need reloading. Yeah. And, uh... But people really do tend to downplay the use of a spear. Spear is excellent for fighting zombies, especially if you have a barricade to... Right, because they keep them at arm's length, or a spear's length, even. spear's length, yeah. And it's it's a sharp spike. You poke through the head. You retract. You do it again. Especially, yeah, if if you're... 15 feet in the air, you can still do it with very good precision. With, with, with I hadn't even thought of that. Most people don't, and it's it's really shows you how far spears have, have fallen in our in the regard of uh, you know, mankind's consideration. Well, I mean, it's one of the earliest weapons. I mean, first you've got sticks to smack people with, and you're like, you know what, I want to poke somebody with a sharp stick, and then you know what, I want to poke somebody way over there with a sharp stick. As much as I love swords, swords are king of the short-range weapon. Um, however... Spears have the literal longest history of man use for the longest period of time. Right. And and even now, if you consider bayonet, literally, that that is just a gun spear. Well, you know, I, I would say the nice thing about spears over uh, swords is that swords need a relatively high amount of maintenance. It's true. You know, if also, you a fair take... amount of skill to use. Right. Whereas, but I mean, in theory, you, you could pipe. swing a sword around and cut some stuff up. You, you may not use it right. You may break it. But, you know, if you don't clean it carefully... Are you implying, then, JP, that perhaps a spear is a point-and-stick weapon? (laughs) That was so bad it locked up my computer! Oh, God. So bad. Troll face! (laughs) Just just think of, um... Not Evil Dead 2, the third one. Army of Darkness. Evil Dead 3? Yes. Um, the, The... Army of Darkness. They've got the indomitable like, Ash. Th- th- there's a like the scene where he's training them to use spears, and it's like when they come up to like these spear guys, they're basically going through the movements that he's showing them and getting closer and closer as they're doing like their practice thing. And when they finally actually get to the uh, undead, they're just they just barely tap them, but you know it's enough. Yeah, it's a very handy weapon. So, so you know, so we're we're bird walking a little bit on the subject. That's true. Coordinated assaults. So you're saying that spears are an important weapon. So how does that work into the coordinated assaults idea for compounding? Well, it's compound. Uh, sorry, coordinated assaults occur outside of your compounded area. So, so you're talking about like taking back an area from the zombie this, control. This, this is the first step in reclamation. Yeah, it it uh, bridges onto the fifth category, which we'll of course address in a moment. Right. Um, you need to have a plan. You need to have a plan because there literally is. This isn't a video game. You know, zombies don't respawn. You know, they don't be, they don't occur more if you if there's a pack that arrives at your door that they had to have come from somewhere else. Right. There literally is a finite area. This has to do with uh, using natural barricades. You know, cars parked haphazardly in the panicked, you know, positions right. um, as funneling devices and setting up impromptu walls at the moment of uh, assault. Now, you can even go so far if you have the resources and time and the, you know, the nerve to create like phalanxes of shield using spear wielding uh, soldiers. Uh, this is, of course, you know, up to the, the specific compounding group's uh, mentality, ability, and discipline. But th- that would work very well. 
right. hold, hold off with the with you know the, the might of their uncoordinated horde with the might of your very well coordinated horde. Right, you get to the the, the Sparta, so to, you know Spartan three hundred versus yeah. the the, you know, the the Persian hordes, and just like that, you funnel them in, you repel them. Every time you you swing, one of them drops. They do not get to you. You do not advance until everything is dead before you. If you have to give ground, you only give ground with the aim of advancing shortly thereafter. Right. Number five, wall and territory expansion. The important uh, rule for this is to consider where you are that you're trying to reclaim the territory of. This is where it becomes easier to exist in a city environment where things are segregated into blocks right. than it is to be in a rural area. Whereas You literally the, would have to build a wall. You and literally then have to it. make the obstacles yourself. Right, because you already have natural, not natural, you already have man-made you know, confines in which you can move within. You know, you've got buildings and blocks and stuff, so you have to barricade windows, not create an entire wall. Right. Right, right, right. So as you move block to block throughout the city, uh, the important thing is to consider you know, shutting off all entrances... And as you make your coordinated assault, as mentioned previously, uh, when you have an area cleared off, you decide what direction you move from there. And the barricade doesn't just stay there, it moves to the next zone. For example, you know, if you... If so you're you, always advancing your territory you're lines. You're always advancing. Right. Um, you should plan to have, like, two barricades for every direction. So there's the one that doesn't advance... Until the other one has been secured. So you kind of, you, uh, what do you call it, leapfrog yeah. the barricades. Interesting. Yeah. And that way, if that one, the first, the furthest one, once it's set up, falls, you can always retreat back to the, the, the prior one. And then you have that uh, gap, that, that filler right. space right, to right, right. kill zone. Interesting. And as you work through these areas, you know, ultimately, throughout a very meticulous and unadventurous method... And here's, that's the key, because too often people, well, this is working so freaking great, I'm just going to rush through it. And that's where mistakes happen, and that's where people die. Yeah, you have to have just have vigilance when you're in the face of such danger. That's right. You need to be determined and unwavering. Right. And you can use vehicles to push barricades along. You can mount a large uh, wheeled barricade on the front of a bus. Good idea. And push that through. And then as you come up to an intersection, for example... Um, have them flanking the same vehicle, roll them out to control to expand into that area. Um, you know, I have I have uh, blog posts you know upcoming that will explain more detail. Cool. But <clears throat> are you planning on I, on putting these seven points up on Zombie Egg when you guys get it back up? As soon as he gets back up, it's probably the first thing I put up. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, and but as far as for rural uh, considerations go, because can't forget that. You'll want to use lure systems. Now, you can use that to some effect in the cities. Lure systems? Lures. You'll want, for the same effect that the... Like luring zombies from... I'm a zombie system. beacon yeah. works to, right. to, like to, to, lure. to both propel survivors and attract the undead to the noise. Um, you'll want to use lures to attract and alert yourself to the presence of the undead in areas that you believe will be more appropriate to funneling. Uh, like a corn maze. Uh, <laughs> that was that was said in all sarcasm. Corn is not an appropriate deterrent for zombies. Please, nobody, nobody builds a corn maze. If you build it, they may not come. Uh, <laughs> oh shit! Anyhow, uh, 
So I'm curious because the next point is preparation for expansion. So why would you have? Well, I, sp- I suppose I should have worded that better. It's preparation for growth. Preparation for growth. Yes. Okay. So number six, preparation for growth. Preparation for growth has to do with now that you have a secured area, uh, conceivably with larger arable tracts of land, more privatized uh, areas for dwelling. You know, because as you expand, you no longer need to huddle completely together for protection. Although you right, should so have, you can have farm here, this there, that some, some right. you know couples moving off to their own private area. This is what you want. This is what establishes a semblance of normalcy. Right, because you have, in theory, you have safety within the confines of your of your double barricade. Right. Uh, with that, you will want to begin to attract other survivors to you. This has a double purpose of trying to uni- unify uh, survivors against the undead, prevent loss, and to reestablish society, make your society the stronger one, so that if, let's say, the government ever does reclaim the world uh, from the undead, you at least will not become a victim of another group. Right. Because you will, you will be harboring a larger pool of people and therefore a larger pool of resources. Um, so this preparing for growth has a lot to do with, you know, if, if you have five people in your survival group to begin with and you're able to accomplish so much, because five people can do a fair amount when they put their minds to it. Absolutely. Um you want to plan to have 50 people. And that means allocating the resources for 50 people, you know, every month to be able to flock to you and for you not to be overburdened and overtaxed so far as your resources go. Right, so an active part of compounding is being prepared to accept more survivors. That is correct. Because too often you'll see either, you know, they make allusions to it in... Like the Walking Dead, right, the Social Farm, right. um, or there's a number of other, you know, not even zombie genres, but survivalist genres, where it brings up people reluctantly accepting or belligerently refusing to aid other other survivors, right? Based on the fact that they don't feel that they have enough resources for them and their own, right? Um, and so if you and so you see other survivors instead of them being a a potential burden, you see them as a potential like adding to your ranks, like a general in an army. More, more or less. But Interesting. That is, I, I do have a more militaristic approach. And yes, you do. And, and the SCB's policy, of course, is to... Which is, which is switch cheese and bullets. Yes. Uh, Rescue and response team. Yes. Is, is to deputize able and willing people into our ranks as they become available. Uh, like I said, able and right, willing. So, right, so, so you delegate and give responsibility... And of course, as we all know, a basic part of human psychology is that people crave a sense of importance. And a sense of inclusion. Exactly. And so, you know, if you start to give them responsibility, then all of a sudden they feel appreciated, right? And then they're more likely to be loyal. And and yeah, they're very very much less likely to betray you, uh, shoot you in the leg, and let zombies eat you while you walk off with the backpack. Uh, with only a chunk of your hair missing. Sorry, Shane, to reference you twice in the same episode. The eighth Henry really just hates Shane. Well, more really just hates Rick. Yeah. Well, I I, I like Rick, but damn it, Rick. <laughs> if, if it was if it wasn't for some of the things he does and says, you know, I suppose they wouldn't have a story. But this is true. I mean, if if if, if in zombie fiction, if they did everything right, then nothing would be interesting. It, it would be it would be like, and then we—that's how we won the zombie versus. I mean, it is, it is kind of it's kind of silly how we sit back and watch a zombie fiction of any kind and go, 
well, they fucked up right there. Idiots, but, you know. <laughs> it's like, but I suppose it's it's a human nature is to at least see the error of stupid things, and not go, well, yeah, that is a dumb idea. Like we should do that, and that happens. <laughs> Household bleach, yeah, it gives my teeth really white. Oh, you shit. Know? Just... Finally, safe housing. Safe housing. Now this is the last step before you have to begin a whole new checklist. Because at that point you become a functioning town, a fucking, uh... <laughs> a functioning? A functioning. <laughs> Gotta wow. repopulate the earth. Yeah. <laughs> you, you do. Make sure you have enough uh, available females in your group. <laughs> it's gonna be awkward if it's just all guys. Everyone get into the pile. <laughs> just, get into the, just get into the fuck pile. Just get into the fuck pile. So if something's gonna happen. All right. So you need to have a functioning... A functioning... Society, uh, possibly even a city-state, depending on the, uh, the size of the people, the, the the population mass that you allow in and can support. But you don't want to just have it be, well, I hope people find us today. No, you'll want to actually set up trail markers where people will, will be able to say, hey, look, there's spray paint on that building that says safe house ahead, for example. And at the said safe house, you would have... Uh, maybe a week's supplies. So kind of like in you know Left for Dead. Left for Dead is where you like bounce from you know one safe house to the next, and safe houses have a handful of weapons and gear and health packs which feed you and everything. That's what I need. More. Or less I just I just that. need to be able to like have like the big red health pack with the white plus symbol on it, and then just like just just I don't know, just like just shove it into my body somehow, and just have it feel all my needs. It's a suppository. It's a suppository. Oh. Uh, Peels? Peels here. Peel. Good news! (laughs) Just a place full of red and green herbs. We're just referencing everything. Yes. Trying. I'm trying. This is called Geek Life. To be absolutely technical, it was originally called Half-Life 2-ing. Wow. Oh. Wow. Oh. Oh, bring back Damn, whippersnappers and your zombie games. Yeah. <laughs> head ticks. Uh, anyhow, head, they, head crabs they, are the worst. They crabs. are. They really the are the worst. Uh, just had a flashback to the first time I played that game, and that was so alarming. It is alarming, right? Yeah. Spe- I, grew, I grew up watching the Aliens movies. And so head crabs, they plant shit in my stomach as far as I'm face concerned. Face suckers. They're face suckers or whatever you call them. And so I don't know, there's just like a, there's like a, a just a deep-seated fear of anything that wants to jump up and attach onto you. And it's just, oh, it just makes you shiver. And those damn things jump at you with the little claw things in their mouth. It's really horrible. It's really horrible. The first time I played that game, I thought they were turkeys. <laughs> That's well, because actually... they run around the corner and go, go! turkeys. I'm just saying oh. that I had a different view of the game to start with. You the more you... came later, it was just a lot of amusement and nervous laughing as to why this this oh. cooked turkey. Administrator, you're you're a professional in the game art and design world. It is time to make a turkey mod. <laughs> oh god. Yes. <laughs> oh, but I hate like, hammers so bad. But just just change just change the 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 models to turkeys, and then make them go. <laughs> Could you imagine how hilarious? Because head crabs are in every freaking Half Life game, and they're like all over the damn games. Especially the first one. You so, get a lot of mileage after that. So basically you're just saying that I should create a mod, the world of the administrator, what I see. <laughs> so, okay, 
Coming back to the subject, yes. safe housing. Somewhere. Meanwhile, back at the point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so safe housing, the idea is that you would set up, you wouldn't have people sitting there the whole time because, of course, you will always run the risk of hostile survivalists. You want to make sure the people you include in your society are not to your detriment. Right. So the best way to do this is you steer them to safe houses that are safe but are removed from the immediate line of sight of your safe place. Right. So if they decide that they're just going to sweep in and take everything, it's things you're not going to be worried about. They won't come back because clearly they've already cleared this place out, those suckers. Good. Be gone with them. The idea is that... It's kind of like just feeding the wolves, just like... More or less. Here you go. Now, if they keep coming back and they begin to, to desecrate the area... You may shoot to, them in the face. You may have to go hunting, uh, but that's fine because humans are a lot easier to find than certain zombies subtypes. Um, but anyhow, so you set let's say a week's worth of supplies. Every three to five days, you have a armed patrol sweep through. So it I, takes you say it takes like maintenance routine to keep these things up. Mm-hmm. And they, they would they would have the supplies on them to reissue supplies or to accept. Injured or um, passive or even just frightened survivalists into the group and take them back to the main base. And from this point, you'll be able to continue to grow, branch off to another city, um, and of course, on down the line, following the highway systems that you know we in America tend to enjoy, take for granted, um, be able to start the same process with other cities. Especially right. other cities that we know have it far worse off than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, just begin to set up shop shortly, just just outside of it. Uh, and then just kind of start all over again. And start all over. But you'll have at least the resource. So this is kind of part of the Swiss cheese and bullets, like, you know, society restoration plan. Yeah, I mean, this is more or less the same model that we use, uh, except we'll be a bit more militant, more aggressive. For sure. example, the SCB has, uh, has tenants where the, the non- militarily trained SCB members are discouraged from engaging in zombies or hostiles uh, unless it's to save, you know, other innocent survivalists. Um, but the ones who are armed and trained for it are engaged to actively engage it's them. Encouraged to actively yeah, engage it's, them. It's, right. it's more to, to the point of if you have the means, do. If you do not have the means, do not put yourself in that spot. And that's right. I mean, it's, 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 I mean it, even if the zombies are the bulk of the population, it's a finite number. They don't reproduce. It, yeah, they, they they don't. They certainly aren't getting into the fuck pile. <laughs> Not making sweet sweet zombie love. I don't think about that. It's like a... So in in recap, we've got uh, the Swiss cheese and bullets compounding system. Number one, the body system. Number two, tasking. Number three, scavenger scavenging parties. Number four, coordinated assault. Number five, wall and territory expansion. Number six, preparation for growth. Number seven, safe housing. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Telltale game, The Walking Dead, Episode 1. So stick with us. This is Geek Life. We'll be right back.
Now we're going to talk about The Walking Dead, Episode 1 by Telltale Games. Yeah, and this is actually really awesome. JP had a really cool idea. We started... It's the a- only kind of idea that I have. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. So JP just had an idea, which uh, by default is awesome. Yes. I, I believe we had a similar conversation earlier in the week about how we're all just so terribly awesome. Uh, but you know that because you're listening to this. Of course. Uh, but we started a bi-monthly gaming get-together... It's somewhat similar to the way we set things up for the Journey Review. Right. So we... It was inspired by the Journey Review, really. It was actually a really excellent experience, and I'm glad that we're doing it for more games. It was a super awesome opportunity and excuse to get together, party, hang out, drink beer, you know, have pizza, and just have, like, friends hang out, fellowship time, and also have a purpose. Yeah, I think it's all too easy in this day and age with our our internet-connected systems to play alone, but, you know, have the illusion of, oh no, all my friends are playing right now, see? Yeah, JP just popped on right there, boo-boo! Yeah, see? He's on there! Right, yeah, we're all instant messaging and text messaging and... Speaking of which, what were you doing just topping on and off all night last night? Oh, good lord. What was that about? Oh, on, on, on the PSN? Yeah. You buying something? That's not important. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I, I think I, was I think it's very my, important. I think to I was having trouble with fans. my connection. I was actually preparing uh, the next games podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about a couple different games, but one of them I just I beat in less than a week is Prototype Two. And it was uh, it's pretty freaking awesome, and I think I was just having internet problems. I see. You know, but yeah, but I was up all night playing that. It's awesome. <laughs> so more to the point. So we all got together. God, it was eight of us this time. Yeah, it was a big yeah, group. It was eight. Yeah, and we round-robined the... As in passing the controller around every ten minutes. What other round-robin is there? So, we played the first episode of The Walking Dead. By it, Telltale Games. By Telltale Games, which is a local company. We should also hire the administrator. <laughs> yes, it's quite an excellent company. Am I quite an excellent modeler? <laughs> Please visit Triangular.org. Yeah, moving on. Um... So we played the first episode of The Walking Dead by Telltale Games, and, you know, it really wasn't what I was expecting. However, I got some bad intel about the game, but that kind of worked to my advantage because I looked at the game with completely fresh eyes. You got bad intel from where? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I was chatting with a bunch of different people about the game, and I've been really busy setting up some summer stuff that I'm going to be doing, so I haven't been able to check, you know, the news feeds. So I had heard that there was going to be a Walking Dead game. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I was ch- chatting with a coworker who also likes zombie games. I say, hey, did you hear about the Walking Dead game? And he says, yeah, it sounds totally lame. And I said, they're like, but you read the comic. Why would you think this is lame? It's going to be a Facebook chibi game. Where did he get that? At? I don't know. What? I don't know. But I, I, I kind of want to find this game. Is there a Facebook chibi game? Uh, uh I'm going to have to look into this, but a Facebook chibi zombie game sounds like the most demented, twisted, hilarious thing ever. Sounds amazing. So now everybody's just like, Facebook chibi zombie game? What's this? Zinga's already listening in and making it as we speak. Exactly. If anybody knows anything about a Facebook... A Spacebook. A Facebook (laughs) chibi zombie game, email us at geeklifeatpandamega.com and tell us what the hell is going on. Now you know, JP, nobody on Spacebook knows about this because they discontinued that just this past week. A Spacebook? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because the whole NASA thing, they're losing money. Right. Yeah. 14 people a week logged into that. 
So that's a whole heck of a lot. Yes. But moving on. So when uh, you loaded up the screen, you know, first thing I see is it's not super deformed chibi. So <laughs> you, I can't believe you actually believe that oh. person. That's just so ridiculous. It's I'm so sorry. ridiculous that it seemed plausible. It just has to work. You know, to it, be fair, to be fair, like the gaming horrible. industry, like has basically been like bent over by the casual gaming companies and just butt raped. It just and so I mean yeah. everything has been just the <laughs> the Penry's over here with this like you know sturgeon face, just mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. I think at the point where Angry Birds became so popular that they are actually planning a theme park around it, I've just decided Aren't they making to. Are a movie? They're making everything. They are literally... The movie rights, there's a web series in the works, there's the Angry Birds gummies um, that are out Oh there. yeah, my roommate came home eating gummies today, and it was Angry Birds gummies. What the hell? Yeah, so basically, at this point, I'm willing to accept anything at face value. Like, well, if Angry Birds has a theme park, I guess Walking Dead could have a chibi game. Alright. What would the theme park rights be? Just shooting people in Yeah, just, just lots birds? of slingshots. Just... Yeah, all right, now you gotta, we're gonna sling you into a glass wall. <laughs> and uh, d- and break worry, the wall. Don't worry, you're a bluebird this time. It, I promise you, it'll break the glass. Can oh, anybody man. tell that the 8th Henry plays Angry Birds? I, I, I do, and I'm quite Actually, the new Angry Birds sounds interesting, the one in space. I heard that it's actually, because of like the gravity mechanics, it's it actually much more challenging, and all the casual gamers are like, derp, derp, I can't do it, derp, derp. But, but, it but you understand. Passion. That they're birds being flung at p- pigs in, in space. space. We, we put monkeys in space. And dogs. And dogs. But monkeys are funnier because no... Anyway, problem. The Walking Dead, episode one, <laughs> review, Geek Life. Welcome to Geek Life Welcome Tangents to, yeah. and Digressions episode. Right, thank you very much. All right, so... Anyway, continue story, Round Robin Night. So we started playing Ron Robin. Each of us got 10 minutes on the controller. And what was really cool about that is within those 10 minutes, we all got to make game-changing decisions. Yeah, One of Joe the... got to die. Yeah, Joe got to die, yes. Yeah, he was the only person that died. That was what everyone here was. <laughs> Joe, this is what you get for not being here. Is you this, don't get is to just going to be just a prick about it. The foundation. And don't forget, part of the rules are, you die, you hand over the controller. Yeah, yeah. Your ten minutes are up at that yeah, point. Joe's ten minutes were quite short. He rolled one in real life once oh, again. Oh, coldness. that's actually one of the prime mechanics of this game that makes it so damn interesting, is that when you make decisions, you have like little multiple choice things... That affects the path of the game from there on out. Pretty dramatically, I mean, all the way through all of the episodes. You know, it's an ongoing story. It's not episodic as in, like, different groups of people in every single episode. Because it was only, what, three hours? If? If that. Yeah. And uh, the news releases that I've been reading about this game, the guys from Telltale are saying that they plan to have enough game-changing choices and kind of divergent options that by episode five... Two different people would have very different experiences in the whole game. What like there'd be people already. that would be di- would or would not be alive. You would or would not have helped them. You would, you know, like all that. I mean, it's it's already been pretty some pretty dramatic changes in the, in the story. Yeah, we've already had to make a life changing decision. Absolutely, and Several. I think that it's it's going to continue on mo- moving forward. And what they promise is that basically, you know, if by the end of the fifth episode. You're gonna have very, very different characters, very a very, very different relationship with the characters, and in some places, totally characters that were dead. Yeah, definitely. Right. What, what so, I want to know is, there's that 
not to spoil anything for anybody. At one point, there are two unimportant survivors because you know whatever. Yeah, that's that what you, I was talking you can, about. You can choose one or the other. Yeah. I I would like to know if you could just sit there and just watch them both die. I wanted. You didn't not, have the control at that time, otherwise we would. Know. But, but I mean, it, it, it'd be it'd be interesting to find out if they would let that happen or if they would force you. Well, to I mean, choose. hey, it's just a couple hour game. Let's pop in there. Yeah. Which is actually something that's cool with the game mechanic is a lot of games with these dialogue choices and that sort of a thing is that they just sit there and wait forever for you to choose right. what choose what type of option you want to go with. This, no. You actually have a time limit. You see, like, this little mm-hmm. bar getting smaller and smaller, and you have to choose, or it something happens. Bro, it's, it's very much a point-and-click adventure game. I mean, this is what Telltale does. Mm-hmm. They do point-and-click adventure games. And, you know, in recent years, they've become, you know, a little bit more action-heavy and intense. Um, and this one was really no different. I would say even more action-heavy. I mean, almost, I almost want to, like, have it be, like, in a new category of games like like, aggravated point-and-click adventure games. Because it, it seriously feels like you're under pressure. It's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. You know, like, there's a zombie crawling after you, and you have to, like, point-and-click at them to do stuff. I mean, at first it felt kind of awkward, honestly, but I think that it worked really well. Mm-hmm. I think there was clearly a focus on story here in comparison to other games where it's like, you know... Sandbox. Sandbox or shooting, fighting, you know, whatever, like... like the Walking Dead is always about creating connection with characters. They did a very good job with that, and you know, and this game, you know, is is very clearly like in the spirit. I would say it does a very good job of creating the tone that the comic book in particular has. Although I will, I will call bullshit on that that zombie that you you escaped from. Um, you you totally had every instance to step on its head. <laughs> Um, and the screwdriver that was sticking out of his neck, you could have reached down, grabbed that, put it to its head. There, you did not have to run from that zombie, goddammit. You could have put it down, and it, there was no other zombies right right there. You could have just... And it would have been done. Henry's just so mad. Mm-hmm. So, to reel it back a little bit, uh, you play the role of a man named Lee. Uh, the game opens up with him actually in the back of a police cruiser, which, if you read the comic, is kind of an interesting tie into the very early part of the original Walking Dead storyline because obviously Rick's a police officer so it's interesting. And Shane. And Shane, of course. It's kind of interesting to start it Damn it, Shane. from that same point but from a different perspective. Uh, and I won't go into too much detail as to why you're at the back of a police cruiser but it, you know, you, you find out pretty darn fast. They say it pretty much right away. So yeah. I don't think it's Actually, really I believe on IGN.com they have like the first ten minutes of gameplay. Okay. That takes you pretty much up to the first moment you see a zombie. Okay. And it's like the whole conversation between the police officer and Lee in the back and a couple choices. I mean, obviously they don't have multiple choices yeah. you can see. That. Well, you kind of get to establish your attitude pretty early on, though, having a conversation with the police officer who is driving you to the courthouse? Or is it to jail? To, to jail. jail. To yeah. jail. Uh, he asks you a few things, and the way that you respond, I found, kind of set the tone for how we acted throughout the rest of the game. Right, how you interact with everybody. I mean, you, I mean, I even thought that it was really neat that there's opportunity to lie mm-hmm. in the game, and if you change your story, people will notice, mm-hmm. and then will not trust you. Right. O- only if they've heard your previous lies. Well, obviously. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. But, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you mix your story up and start saying different things then all of a sudden it's messing with people's with your credibility. That's true. That's really interesting. So 
Aside from kind of setting the scene as far as the gameplay mechanics go, one thing that I thought was really awesome about this opening scene was you're driving along, and on the other side of the freeway, you see all these police cruisers go in the other direction with their lights well, on. And you hear the, on the radio. Yeah. That, like, you know, you know, you know, we need help in this, and you know, calling all cars, you know, and then the, the police officer driving is kind of like a, kind of like old fuddy-duddy, like old boy, you know, and telling him stories and, you know, is, is kind of annoyed by that, and so he ends up turning it off. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that there's, like, shit going down. Right. But it's the opposite direction of where you're going. Right. So well, he couldn't do anything anyways because he's on prisoner transport. Well, right, but the idea is that he's completely unaware of it. Right. But there, but there's clear like they allude to things really kind of hitting the fan. Yeah. Right in the middle of this car drive. Right, and of course you end up getting out of the car because it's become wrecked thanks to the first appearance of a zombie. So. Or a walker. A walker, yeah. So you know your old fuddy-duddy police guy is driving along, looking back at you, having a conversation, and predictably just. Doesn't he know that's what rearview mirrors are for? If he had just looked in the mirror, he could have seen me. He didn't have to turn around. There was plenty of mirror glaring. There was. Just just... (laughs) there was, but he he didn't have to. He's a cop, goddammit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm all off tangent. Again, again, we get back to the place of we're talking about fiction here. To know, move the story forward, people yeah. have to it's make It's less mistakes. personable if you're talking at somebody in a different direction. And besides, have if to his make eyes were forward, he would have swerved around and you never would have known. Oh, jeez. Anyway. And yeah. then you would have been in prison. So, so you know, we were all there. We all played it. We all saw the whole thing. So why don't we go around in a circle and give, you know, just just a couple a couple thoughts and then give ourselves, uh, give our aid, okay? So why don't we start with the Brian? Okay. A uh, couple of thoughts. One, we talked about that zombie thing, uh, the the cop becoming a zombie. It looked like to me that Lee must have been knocked out for about a week or so. Because <laughs> like, cop already, he was an older guy, but he's got rotting flesh and all this sort of stuff. Well, they showed him out for a couple day cycles, I think. Hmm. He was out cold for a couple days? Yeah. I mean, they showed day and night, like, him, like, kind of coming in and out of consciousness. Okay. And it went from, like, night to evening to day to night to evening. I didn't notice that. Um, Pay attention! My bad! I did notice that tree houses, good place to hide. Truth. <laughs> Truth. Especially um, if you have a spear. Yes. Especially if you have a spear. Bring it full circle. Bring it full circle. Henry. That's right. And I was very invested in the characters. I really liked it. I, gameplay, you know, it was what it was. It wasn't the greatest gameplay mechanic in the world, but I am but curious. But that's not the center focus of a yeah. point-and-click adventure game. Exactly. It's a very story-driven game, which is what always appeals to me. Right. So I am very, uh, I was very interested in the characters and how things are turned out, and I'm very curious on how things are going to turn out. And, oh dear God. God, I hope that there is a way that I can kill a couple of characters <laughs> within the next couple of episodes. Oh of this man, game. that one guy is such a douchebag. And the kid, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was a little upset that you couldn't save the uh, the one person that we all were trying to save, and the one person we were all hoping would die. All those times he almost died, persisted in living, and you bastard just die. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. So, uh, so you guess so. Let's hear your rating. Well, I'm kind of torn. At some ways, I actually want to do it like a comic style because it's like, how many issues are you going to invest in it? But in reality, um, 
Well, just, let's let's just, think of each episode as a as a as an individual. Game. Game. Yeah. Um. Well, I have one question. First of all, to since to the group here. Okay. As JP always announces for me, I am the fearless co-host. Air quotes. Air quotes. So I am fearless. I don't really sense fear and get fear. Were there any scary parts in this game whatsoever? This is a survival horror point-and-click game. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call it a survival horror. I think it's a survival adventure. Okay. I was legitimately scared when that boy would not shut the hell up. (laughs) I would say as far as whether or not it was scary, I would say there's maybe some startle moments. Intense and moments. Intense moments. Maybe, and, and I would say it's more about like creep factor. There was a creepy, sort of oppressive atmosphere, but I don't think that there was any like genuinely frightening moments. Yeah, I agree. And you know, there's in the comic book, in the show, you know, so far everything from the the Walking Dead universe, there's not a lot of things that are genuinely frightening. Mm. So you know, I don't I don't really think that that's the plan. Okay. Just making sure. Right. But I would have to give it six, you know, seven out of ten. Um, so seven Miyamoto's out of ten. Miyamoto's. I almost want to give it a little lower because at first, you know, when we were playing it, it was like the controls were wonky at certain points, which we've mentioned. And at first I was like, eh, but... As I was leaving over the next few days, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder what ha- will happen to these characters and that. And I'm curious of like what happens with different choices. So I, d- I have to give it a higher score based upon that. Uh, and so kind of the anticipation I, of what's going to happen next. Because of the anticipation episodes. of what's going to happen next. Right. So seven Miyamoto's from the Brian. Seven. Which is still a decent score for me, you know. I, I would consider You're five a hard just, score. Yeah. I am a hard score, but I also consider like five. Meh. If it's a six or a five and a half, there's still something worthwhile on play. Right, right. So, the eighth Henry, what's your score? Uh, my overall score would be an eight. An eight. Uh, the, eight Miyamoto's. That's correct. There was there was a number of small issues I had with it. For one, the, the puddle of blood, that, although you completely observe it, you just can't seem to manage to avoid. That's fine. I understand. Yeah, and of course, the previously mentioned zombie stomp, a few things, you know, just things that... Just people just were not just violent enough. Right, they, they needed to be more, more proactive in their aggression against the undead. Henry's making fists right now yes. for, for our listeners at home. But, it's... A, it's Fist em- shaking! They're for emphasis. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was overall a very well done game. Uh, it got me thinking about the characters and the plot, which of course is the focus I was. I'm still even now legitimately interested in other divergent paths from what we did. You know, I mean, maybe it's this is the way my my mind works. I keep thinking about the different options, but I'm I'm eager for the next installment, and then of course at the end of it, I I want to download it myself and play all through, and uh, and see just how crazy I can make the world. Definitely. So, what about you, administrator? What's your what's your impressions and final review? You know. There were a lot of things that kind of jumped out at me about this game. Uh, The art style was slightly off-putting to me, only because I could kind of see the technique that they were going for. First of all, the first thing that you notice about the style is they're obviously trying to make it look very comic booky. It looked a lot like the comic book itself. It did. And once I had a chance to kind of get used to the world, it was fine. 
But those first couple of minutes, I had a lot of trouble kind of adapting. They uh, did a very specific technique to create the shadows and highlights on the face. Uh, it's something very basic, which is why I was sitting there like, oh, this, this looks like a mock-up texture. This doesn't look like the real thing. But as you see more of the world, it, it blends in and it became easier to yeah, accept. Yeah. yeah. There were also some, you know, as previously mentioned, tweaks within the controls. It's very obvious that this is the first installment of a series. However, that being said, there are encouragingly few issues that I saw. I think going forward, we're just going to see a series that's getting better and better and better. So by the final episode, I think we're going to have a very polished product. So from that standpoint, you know, I, I really can't complain too much because I, I could see the potential for the rest of the series. I'm not worried that these are things that are going to be dragging over into the next episode. Uh... Aside from that, you know, the storyline was really engaging. I felt like the decisions we were making actually mattered. More often than not, with multiple choices in games, especially, you know, the further back you go, it kind of feels like, yeah, you could choose anything you want, but at the end, eh, there are three paths you could take. Or maybe just one. I mean, just thinking one. back to the original Zelda. Hey, do you want to help? Oh, no. But you must. But you gotta. No. Are you sure? No. But you gotta. And, you know, evolving forward. But I really feel like in this game, each choice that you make will lead you off on a very divergent path. And I feel like that that's actually going to come to flourish. And it's not going to be something that, you know, they're just going to promise and then like, eh, no, actually, there's just two endings, you know? Uh, so overall, I, I'm for this episode, I'm going to give it a six and a half Miyamoto's with the anticipation of it going up to probably an 8 or a 9. Wow. Well, let's see. Uh, a couple thoughts. I I personally struggle with the control scheme. I thought that the I thought that it worked really well uh, for it being kind of within the confines of a action or not an action, a one-click adventure style. You know, it's it's an interesting choice, I think to do this genre of, you know, of, like, controls, essentially, is really the biggest thing that point-and-click adventures, you know, are divergent when it comes to gameplay-wise. It's a very, very different style of control. And, you know, typically something where, like I said, kind of aggravated, it's like this, it's, it's, it's exciting, it's dynamic, there's, you know, something coming, you have a limited amount of time to react. That's not typical of a point-and-click adventure. It's way puzzle-heavy. I mean, honestly, there was not a lot of puzzles in this, mm -mm. which I was really happy about, honestly. I <laughs> love point-and-click adventure games growing up, but I kind of have grown out of them and just don't have the patience for them. No, you know, there, my, there, my, my there time available the puzzle of, have, of having to grab the hammer from the girl <laughs> and, and not just kick the zombie in the face. Right, true, but at least you didn't have to combine the hammer with something else in your inventory. You had to combine it with your hand. Oh, dear. This and is then true. And then zombie face. And then zombie face. Combine hammer with zombie face. Anyway... Uh, the control scheme, you know, for the environment and the situations that you were put in felt kind of clunky, but it worked. It worked just fine. And I think that as long as you allow the game to be what it's trying to be, which is a story told in an interactive fashion where you're able to make choices that dramatically affect the outcome, then it was a wild success. You know, I really do think that it was very, very much a success. It was incredibly entertaining. I'm very excited about the next episode. I'm I'm totally glad that I went ahead and just purchased the season. 
I'm, it, it's going to be good. You know, and I look forward to our next, you know, I think it's coming out this coming month, or I guess at this point, this month, uh, later this month, to see what happens in episode two. Uh, and yeah, so you know, I would say the only thing that really was, was sort of gave me pause was the control scheme. You know, but... You know, when I when I sat back and really was like, you know what though, it's 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 an adventure game. It's it's the control scheme is is going to be in such a way that it, it supports the story and helps things move forward, but it's not going to be skill based controls and skill based gaming, which is typically what I'm really attracted to in games. Is something that you know you are what you are right from the very beginning. A good example of that is the Skate series, where basically you don't get points to improve your jump or your this or your that. It is what it is, and they put increasingly difficult challenges ahead of you, and it's it's based on your skill and ability at controlling the game and the character to be able to rise above these new and more challenging situations. You know, that's kind of what I tend to get attracted to. So again, like, as long as I really allow myself to let the game be what it is, it, I really enjoyed it. I will give it seven Miyamoto's. I, I do think that it could go up, well, I do think that it, again, relying heavily on story, it will develop and get more and more interesting. And we'll, you know, I'll get feel like kind of more emotionally involved and wrapped up with the characters. And they'll be able to take things to a place where they do something terrible and messed up to a character. And it's like, no! And I think that will make it a more powerful experience. And, and the rating will go up in further episodes. I don't know if I'm expecting it to go up as high as 9, but I do think that it will change for the better in the in the coming episodes. So yeah, for so for right now, seven seven million motors. Anyway, so you were gonna say. So right. I was gonna say, one of the things that I noticed about the controls is I almost feel like it would be better as a PlayStation Move title in some ways. There are certain aspects of it that I felt would work better in that where it's like, oh yeah, just move this thing to the left or move to the right, the right stick up or down. I felt like maybe that sort of way it could have worked better as a move title. Have you done much PlayStation Move stuff? Not that much. So, Because I, I have a move, and I've done a lot of those games, and I actually went back and tried to play Heavy Rain, which is kind of the similar control scheme as yeah. to what you're, what you're suggesting here. And the thing about the move that's really awesome is that it's very precise, or can be very precise. Yeah. The thing about the move that's really horrible is the way that it gets to be really precise is by using a camera, mm-hmm. and the camera needs... I mean, essentially, the, the the system wants a blue screen. Yeah. It wants you to have an opposite color that is that is like you know basically you need to have a room with like nice high contrast, a white wall behind you, um, and you can see the little glowy business, and it doesn't get all messed up. Like it, it it really it really dramatically affects the the consistency and precision that it's is is like marketed to have. Right. If you don't have a nice backdrop for the camera, so you know the the move titles. I always kind of, I'm a little wary of. Right. And don't get me wrong, I've really enjoyed them, and I'm happy, and I continue to buy them and play them and download them, and it's great. I love the technology. I want to support the technology, but it's just not to a place where it can just kind of throw down and be comfortable yeah. in any setting. I mean, let's be real. Our living rooms are what they are. We fit them. We fit our TV where we can fit it. We fit our couch where we can fit it. Sometimes we can't be eight to ten feet away in a well lit room. I mean, come on now. Right. You know, so whenever especially anything, when we're playing a zombie game, and we want the room dark. Right, exactly. And so, so whenever, whenever a game's like, you know, oh, we, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a motion control game. It's always kind of like, uh, is there an option for normal controls right. too? Like if they came out with an update for move yeah. controls, that'd be sick. 
Yeah. But I really, really hate it when it's the only option. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that, like, it be the only option, but having a move-enabled option to it, I think would actually enhance the gameplay in certain aspects. Uh, I, but in no way, shape, or form am I saying that this should be a solely a move title. I just think that certain aspects would be enhanced by it. Definitely. Um, the other thing is when we were talking about it possibly being a chibi Facebook game, I actually <laughs> want somebody to make a PC mod of this game to just have a super ultra chibi, like, just make the game look all super ultra chibi. That way, those more graphic sequences will just be so adorably really graphic like and violent. And I, I think we're expecting everybody to understand what chibi is, you know. There's probably a, a fair chunk of people on the interweb that knows what Chibi is, but essentially it's 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 also called SD or super deformed characters. Where like typically in art you have a character like like for example a superhero they measure characters by heads. So you have like their you know from chin to to skull you've got uh, you know eight heads for a superhero character. They tend to have lots of heads because their you know their their body is large in comparison to their head. You know, and when the the smaller, younger they are, the larger their head is in comparison, the less heads their body height is comprised of. And typically I think the the super deformed or chibi characters are anywhere from maybe four to two heads. Um I personally when I draw them I like to have a little bit more detail and so I tend to have it kind of in the three head range. But everybody kind of has that like like chubby little kid look with like a giant forehead, you know. And so it's really kind of like these cutesy sort of thing. Chibi, I, I, you know, is can be translated as like like is like a, a version of the word chisai in Japanese, which is little or small. So that's yeah, that's the term. They're by very the way. cutesy, usually with tiny bodies and large heads. Yeah, <laughs> a big a big part of it artistically is a large forehead because we kind of grow into our foreheads, and so when a baby is born, their forehead is like, stupid big in comparison to the rest of their body. It's like they're, like, from the eyebrows to the chin, like, comprise, like, a like a third or a quarter of their head space instead of where it's normally, like, half and half or something like that. So, anyway, little little art lesson. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so, yeah, that chibi, that's what that is. But think about some of those sequences as a chibi sort of style. I don't know. I think it would be really, like, like vile because it'd be like, like you know, them just, like, beating zombie children to death. <laughs> Again! <laughs> Brian's like, yeah, that sounds good. I, I don't see what's wrong with this. Yep. Brian obviously does not intend on having children. We well, hope. So I, I think that, you know, in, in, in summary, we all, we all enjoyed it. And, you know, in the neighborhood of seven, seven Miyamotos. It's a, it's a pretty good rate. Well, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute and wrap things up. You're listening to Geek Life. We'll be right back.
committed. San Francisco, last night. Listening to Geek Life, Panamanga's very own podcast, Zombie Edition. And Tangents and Digressions. And Tangents edition. and Digressions, apparently. Yes, as always, thank you very much, the 8th Henry, the administrator. Always appreciate you guys coming on and blessing us with some goodness and knowledge, all that fun stuff. It's always fun. you having us. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so thank you for listening. Uh, we had a lot of fun. I hope you guys did too. Uh, I guess one last thing I wanted to just reiterate from earlier on in the podcast. Please go check out We're Alive. It's freaking awesome. The podcast, just go to go to iTunes store, go to the podcast section, search We're Alive. Totally, totally entertaining. Um, yeah. And uh, let's see, what is next? Next is movies, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the next podcast will be movies uh, two weeks from now, uh, when you're listening to this anyway. <laughs> uh, again, uh, sorry, we did have to postpone the, this, the release of this podcast. Um... The uh, we all kind of whole PM crew has sort of had a new totally geeky obsession of Magic the Gathering, and several of us were off at the new Avison Restored uh, set like pre-release, and we did like a whole tournament thing. And by the time we got back into that into town, we were totally tired and trashed, and it was time we went to bed. <laughs> so so we postponed it to today. So instead of releasing on Wednesday which is today when we're recording, we'll release it next week. So one week postponement. Sorry, guys. Thanks for listening and being patient, and we'll see you in two weeks. If you have any questions or comments that you want to send to us, don't forget to email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com. That's right. Remember, we have uh, finally have set up an email address for the podcast specifically, geeklife at pandamanga.com. Oh, we forgot to announce last week's winner. That's right. Right, so who, who, who wrote in? What was their name? It was Chaotic Scroll who guessed that our mystery superhero was Booster Gold. Booster Gold, all-time douchebag. Love that guy. <laughs> Fucking Booster Gold. The, the, we, we were thinking about who to pick for the, you know, guess that superhero or guess that comic book character. And we... Uh, I had recently been playing some DC Universe Online as, as well as Joe, and every single one of the cities has like these these little kind of introduce you to a section, like what do they call them, like breadcrumb quests that kind of bounce you all over the place, and it's all narrated by Booster Gold, and he's just such a douchebag. 
<laughs> and I was like, who the hell is Booster Guy? I had no idea who that was. So who the hell is Booster Girl? So like Joe like laid down some knowledge on me, and so did Brian, told me all about it. And we were like, oh, we got to use him. He's kind of out of left field. So anyway, thanks for, what was it, Chaos? Chaotic Scroll. Chaotic Scroll. So thanks, Chaotic School, for writing in and picking uh, Geek Life as your podcast. We love yes, you. Congratulations. congratulations. You win your name on our podcast. You win your name on our podcast. And uh, we promise we won't give out your email address, home address, and social security number like we had previously threatened to do. So, anyway, uh, this has been Geek Life, Panda Manga's very own podcast, Zombie Edition. Thanks to all of our guests. Thank you, listeners, for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit pandamanga.com for all your indie comics needs. If you have questions or comments on today's show, please visit our forums at forum.pandamanga.com. Anyone interested in becoming a contributor with Pandamanga, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. This is the 8th Henry, and we'll see you next time. Okay, yeah, go ahead and make a loud noise. Okay.